about the fruit of the Spirit, we're, Mike wouldn't even on until just now. Uh, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about the grace of God. So you can't separate the grace of God from the fruit of the Spirit again uh, because my mic hadn't been on. God help me with that. Uh, you, you, you can't separate these things. It's all the same thing. Either we're living by grace through faith and, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is being produced or the work of the flesh is being produced. One of the, you can't, there is no middle ground. Now, I understand we're in and out of the faith. We're in and out of the faith. We can go out here and we can throw a temper tantrum. We can, and, you know, and while you're throwing the temper tantrum, by the way, you're not trusting in Christ and what he did at Calvary. You're trusting in, think about it, you're trusting in that temper tantrum is getting you something because you thought you had to do that. It's, it's a great deception. and I heard Brother Larson say one day that your faith is either in the sacrifice of Christ or it's in your situation. And a lot of people are stuck in their situation, in their circumstance. It's bad because their faith is in that. That's all they're looking at. That, that's all they're seeing. They, they, they know about the cross. They hear it's their victory. But you have to subject yourself, give yourself to that. It can't just be in your head. You can't just quote this. Robin and I, this is one of the uh, first scriptures that we learned together back in the mid-90s. We learned this. We could say it. And uh, we had fun learning the scriptures and quoting them to each other and, 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 and memorizing scripture. And I'll never forget this one uh, because it is the fruit of the Spirit, not your fruit. Amen. It is the fruit of the Spirit that I, the only fruit we can have that God accepts is the fruit of the Spirit. We can't have any other fruit I mean, anything other than what the Spirit is producing is just us. It's just us. So, uh, so when you see the word, but the fruit of the Spirit, you have to go back and look back what we read earlier. It's in contrast to the work of the flesh. And verse 18 is one of the paramount scriptures for those of us the Lord's been able to bring back to the cross because we're the only ones, not being ugly here, but those only those who've been brought back to Calvary and are now studying the Word in the context of the sacrifice of Christ can understand the book of Galatians, can understand what it means that those that are led of the Spirit are not under the law. Because if, if preachers aren't preaching the cross and uh, the, the saints don't have their faith in the cross, they can't walk after the Spirit. They can't walk in the Spirit. And all they have left is the flesh. That's why you've got squabbles and strife and envy and jealousy and all the things that happen under law in the flesh because the message of the cross has been knocked out of the way. And so when the message of the cross has come back to the church now... Uh, the fruit of the Spirit can be seen. I mean, when there's disagreements, what's God looking for? He's looking for the fruit of what He can do. Not what we can decide, the fruit of what He can do. And so, and I, we talked a little bit last week uh, about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And this week, we'll start with the word gentleness because uh, that's where we are. Gentleness is kindness and goodness, which is how Jesus treated all who longed for God. If you think about the fruit of the Spirit, there's something from you that's being offered that's tangible to other people. That's why we say, Peyton is a good, he's a good man. Well, why can we say that about him? Because he has manifested good, something good. He's, we, maybe, you know, maybe we saw him following behind a man whose wallet fell out of his pocket and he picked it up and said, hey sir, your wallet fell out. While the next day we watched a guy uh, drop his wallet and another guy behind him picked it up and looked around see if anyone was looking. He went on and put it in his pocket. Well, we could say, well, this brother is a good man. I saw what he did. That's a good trait. But it's something he did. There was something that happened there. I don't know you're good and nobody knows I'm good just by seeing me on the street. It's the same way with Jesus. The Bible says you wouldn't, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it says there was nothing comely about him. That means if you would have walked by Jesus on the street, you wouldn't have turned your head twice to look at him. He was just to look at a man. But if you got around him, 
If you got around him and listened to him and watched him, there would be goodness, there would be gentleness, there would be love because all these things, the fruit of the Spirit, they're not something you just have for yourself. Every one of these are for others to be seen through you. It's Christ revealing himself. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is just that. It's the fruit. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come and reveal the truth. Well, His name is Jesus. All these are the traits of Jesus, what He did, the character of Jesus. So uh, don't ever forget that the fruit of the Spirit is something there. You're not just a good person because they say you're a good person. You're a good person, a gentle person, because there is a gentleness about you when you talk to other people. You know, some people in the Walmart line, when the new person, the new, the new girl or young man is nervous about doing their business and they get all messed up and confused and everybody in line starts saying, right there in front of them, I, I knew I picked the wrong line. Look at this kid. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how can they be saying that where that person can hear them? Don't they know they're not even going to be able to do anything now? I saw a woman one time uh, mouth negatively at a keyboard player who was already struggling to play a song and words came out toward that that even made it worse. And my Lord, if you're trying to do something with your fingers and somebody gets on your case, you think it's going to get better and help the situation? No, it's going to make it worse. And so somebody in the Walmart line would just pep up and say, you know what, honey, you're doing a good job. I remember when I started and had, you know, and you start trying to help the situation, you know. Uh, so, you know, there's all the, the fruit of the Spirit is something that can be seen. There, the fruit of the Spirit is something that can be seen and it's, and it's felt by others. I mean, but, 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 it's, but it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit and gentleness. And I've got, gentleness is also necessary for Christian ministry. It's necessary. And we're going to go to 2 Timothy now, chapter 2. This is one of my favorite portions in Scripture. I say that. Uh, I guess what I mean, it's one of the first things way back 20-something years ago the Lord showed me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. Uh, And we're talking about the fruit of gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. If you let the Spirit of God work in your life, you're going to, you're going to experience the gentleness. You, you, listen, these are also, the fruit of the Spirit are also things that we're being conformed into. You should be, after 20 years of Christianity, you should be much more gentle now than you were 20 years ago instead of harder and bitter. I mean, you're, go, you're hearing the wrong message or you're not believing the message of the cross if you are hearing it. If you're not getting better but worse or bitter, then you're not hearing something that you should be hearing or if you are, you're rejecting it. Because the message of the cross puts your eyes and your heart's faith back in Jesus where He offered all that He is. All the fruit of the Spirit comes to you by the Spirit through faith in what He did at Calvary. Not just one time that got you in when you were 15 years old. No, you're to be growing in the knowledge and the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, these nine gifts are nine graces, if you will, the function of the Holy Spirit. So watch this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Must not. Now this is the Word of God. So when we strive, God's telling us it ain't going to work out for you. It's not going to work for you. You must not strive. If they don't want to hear it, shake the dust off your feet and keep moving looking for somebody who does. Everybody you meet's not going to want to hear it. As bad as you want them to know the truth, they're not going to want to know it on this day at this time and maybe later. But we don't, maybe they'll never want to hear it. But we don't, we don't get grieved over people to the point that we can't function anymore. But that will happen to you if you're constantly striving. You're, that's going to wear you out. 
If you're a striver, you're going to get wore out eventually. It's going to, because you're not being led of the Spirit if you're just uh, in this to debate. I know people right now, they don't share Scripture on Facebook, on social media. They just throw comments out there trying to start a bunch of strife and try to get a bunch of people to throw in. Listen, put the Word of God on social media. Instead of your comments and your opinion, if you're going to say something on social media, put God's Word there with it to confirm what you're saying because your words mean absolutely nothing. And people need to know where you're coming from with your statements from the Word of God, not just words on Facebook or social media or on Twitter or whatever you use. So back to this point, the servant of the Lord must not strive. Again, this is the Word of God. This is not an option. This is not an opinion of Paul. You, if you're going to be effective, you must not strive because striving does not allow the fruit of the Spirit to work. So, but be gentle unto all men. Not just those that believe what you believe. And the proof of that is you're trying to minister. Let's go on and read and we'll prove what I'm talking about. Out to teach, that means ready to teach. Patient. In meekness, that means humility. In those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You're not going to help anybody get out of the snares of the devil by striving with them. Again, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Even by those who are opposing themselves, lost or a Christian living outside of true biblical faith, you're not going to help them by striving with them. You're going to help them. Now, I know this is against the thoughts and the way of the flesh, but this is God's Word, and He always is right. So if we don't strive with them, but we are gentle with them, they're going to, that's going to stick out to them because striving is what the world is. It's a place that's striving and strife and envy and jealousy and gossiping. But if you're gentle with them, that's going to stick out huge. Why? It has to because it's the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit. If you're being gentle with them. And the, and the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not strive just because they don't get it don't mean that you're going to stop giving it to them. But when they let you know they don't want to hear it anymore, it's time to move on. But if you've been gentle with them because you've given them the truth, they know they can come back to you because you are gentle. If you're a striver, they're not coming back to you. They leave mad. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be around that. I don't want to hear it. But when their life begins to fall apart because you didn't strive, you were gentle, they'll come back to the gentle person. They're coming back to Jesus because they, they can't explain it. And we're not Jesus, but we are His body. And if we're following Him, the fruit of who He is will be manifest. So in essence, they're coming back to what they felt. They're coming back to what they heard that they're convicted of. They just can't get away from it. And even though they might have heard that from somebody over there that's striving with them about it and just, bless God, you've got to get it and uh, you know you're just wrong and all this stuff, they're not going back to that person. They're coming back to the gentle person. So, so we're not ugly to people. We're gentle. And it says unto all men. And because we read through this, we can understand that means all men whether it's those that are outside the church, and I mean salvation, or it's those who were saved and, and, and just don't know how to live for God. They've been seduced and taken off track, and, and, and we're declaring the truth. And, and watch this. Now, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. People who are outside the truth, people who reject the message of the cross, are opposing themselves. No, they don't know it. But when you oppose God, you oppose yourself because He's your creator. He's the architect and the strategical planner of the life He gave you to live on this earth. When you reject Him, you're rejecting your own self. You're opposing your own self. Think about that. And that's the last thing we try to do 
is oppose ourselves. We think everything we're doing is for us. But if our faith's not in the cross, everything we're doing and the way we're going is against us. That's going to be a part of the, uh, the, the, the massive pain and torment of hell because that's going to be revealed to those people. I was resisting God and myself all my life. I, I thought I was doing everything I did for me, 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 me. And actually, I, everything I did was opposing my own self. Now watch this. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Here we see what it is. We should be gentle with them in teaching them the truth because without the truth, they cannot even repent. Repentance is not, God, I'm sorry. Repentance, Proverbs 28, 13, is confessing your sin and forsaking your sin. He, what does the Bible say? He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall have the mercy of God. Well, anybody can confess their sin, but who can forsake it? Only those that by the grace of God have faith in Christ and what he, the, the faith in the cross is the only power you will ever be offered by God to forsake sin. He won't offer you anything else. God's not going to offer you a patch to quit smoking. He's not going to offer you some new mindset to quit smoking. He's going to offer you His Son at Calvary. There you were saved, delivered from all that will ever stand against you. And when you put your faith in the truth, you'll experience the liberty of that truth. So again, truth is what we're teaching. If we're not teaching truth, and that's a man named Jesus and what He did at Calvary, if we're not Listen to this. James said that the Word of God is a perfect law of liberty. But there is no liberty in the Word of God except through the shed blood of Jesus. Amen. Think about that. You can't separate God's perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, from the cross. That's why we say we have the Word of the cross. It is the truth. So that's what we teach, and that's what we're gentle to teach. And if we don't teach the truth, men can't repent. Men can come to the altar and cry their eyes out, but they can't repent. They can say, I'm sorry, God. Forgive me, God. And God forgives when we ask Him to forgive us, but we can't ever escape the sin until we hear, accept, and repent from not believing the truth and believe the truth, which is Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Amen. So, so that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. The devil has a trap who are taken captive by him at his will. Now this is one thing that you must know, and that is you must be a gentle servant of the Lord sharing the truth. Not how you feel about the situation, the truth. We, we need to learn that it's the truth God's offering. He's not offering all, all the stuff that we want to try to throw in. Many times God speaks and gives us a word, and then because we, he, uh, all He gave us was this word, then uh, we think we're called to fill in and... and God gave you that word, and He wants you to cling to that word, and He will fill in the rest of it. And too many people get a word from God, and they just begin to add what they want to to it, and they destroy the word God gave them. It's the truth we're after. It's the truth we share. And I know some people think, well, that just ain't enough. God's got so much more. God's not offering anything to anybody except the truth. We need to settle that today. That way, if when we do, we can become determined to know nothing other than the truth, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And everything we share in the Bible will be concerning the truth in which it is written, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So the next fruit is goodness. And it's God's kindness and graciousness. Goodness. As we said earlier, some people just have the testimony He's a good person. Now let me say this about the good old country boy, the good old boy club. You're not going to heaven because everybody in town says you're a good old boy. That's just a good old boy right there. He'll give you the shirt off his back. And that, that's huge down here in the south and probably up north too. That good old boy, that good old girl, oh, I know they'll make heaven. They've just, oh, all I've ever heard is just good about them. And people that are good, you will hear good about. But just because you're hearing good about somebody doesn't mean it's the goodness of God that's being produced by the Holy Spirit. At Romans chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. 
I want to read this to you. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 3, And think thou this, O man, that judge them which do such things, and you do the same, that you shall escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Now see, this goes right along with what we talked about gentleness. Because... It's the goodness of God that's going to be seen in a gentle spirit too. And it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Remember what Paul wrote to Timothy, peradventure God will give them repentance according to the truth. If there's going to be repentance, that's because somebody has seen the goodness of God. The goodness of God is related to the truth. Not just you being good to them. Oh, they paid my electric bill, so I'm going to repent. No, you're not. It's the, it takes the truth to see God's goodness. It takes the truth to be able to repent. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. But you can't repent unless your faith is in the cross. You can say, I'm sorry, God. But true, full repentance is, God, I'm sorry... Not God, I did wrong, but God, I am wrong. Not just blaming it on my doings, I'm behind my doings. I'm wrong. I have sinned. So, uh, repentance is more, and I did it for years, going to bed every night, saying, God, I know this ain't right. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Just, but I was living in fear that I might die and, and not be right with God. When I never, I never knew that I could, and it's okay to ask God to forgive you every night. I mean, I'm not preaching, teaching against that, but what I am saying is, if you'll come back to the cross, you're going to find yourself asking God to forgive you for something else than you had been asking for 15 years. Because the message of the cross is not something that just covers our sin while we live in it. It forgives and delivers from sin. It forgives us and delivers us from sin. A lot of folk go around just talking about the message of the cross and they're still living in their sin. The message of the cross, when believed and not known right here, gives you grace to be delivered from your sin. You need to hear that. The grace of God moves you. A lot of people too caught up in what they call a move of God and all they really want is a church service and a big altar call, a big hoopla, hooray, bunch of tears or a bunch of laughter and when it's over, that's it, we had a move of God. No, you can live in a move of God because a move of God is simply this, oh, this is so, it takes a PhD to know this, a move of God is God moving. And God moves by your faith and the sacrifice. It's called grace. It's that simple. If you're walking in the truth, God's functioning in your life. That's called grace. What a revelation. Oh, God's grace saved you. That means He saved you when you believed in the sacrifice of Christ. Again, these fruits of the Spirit, for us to be gentle and good and produce the truth so they can see God's goodness and truly repent. It's going to take us walking in a place where the Spirit of God can let Jesus be seen because they're not coming to me to repent and, and tell me they're sorry. They're coming to God through the message that leads them to God. I think it's Jeremiah 31.3 that says, God tells His people of old, I, I drew you by my loving kindness. But Ephesians 2.13 says, we were made nigh by the blood. It's, it's one and the same thing. The demonstration, God commended His love, demonstrated His love toward us while we were sinners, ungodly enemies, and hated God. All while we were enemies of God, He commended His love in giving of His Son for us. And, and the truth is the story of that. And so, when we believe it, the fruit begins to take place. Fruit, but God made you what you are as a Christian before you had any fruit that anybody could see. He forgave you of your sin, freed you from your sin, and He made you a servant of righteousness. And as I've been sharing a little bit in my travels, uh, the only path of holiness, which is the only way God can be seen, without holiness He can't be seen. So the only way He can be seen is 
through holiness as the fruit. And holiness can't be produced unless we're serving righteousness, Romans chapter 6. And we can't serve righteousness unless our faith is in the cross, which is the truth, which is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So is it His love or is it the cross? It's both because it's one and the same. We're drawn by the love of God. We're drawn by the power of God, which is the preaching of the cross, what Christ did. If I be lifted up, he said, I'll do the drawing of all men to me. We just preach the message. He does the work. Amen. Amen. The next one is faith. Faith believes with the heart unto righteousness if it is biblical faith. A lot of, everybody has faith. Let's just go ahead and admit that. Everybody on the planet has faith. But not everybody has biblical faith. Most in the church today do not have biblical faith. If they did, the outcome would be grace. And grace is in manifestation by the fruit of the Spirit. And just because somebody has a, a good day where they feel good and they go to Walmart and shop around in their buggy and they say hello to everybody on every aisle, they're having a really good day, doesn't mean that's the fruit of the Spirit. That may just be the fruit of you feeling good today. Because here's the ugly fact that everybody whose faith is not in the sacrifice, and that's 90% of the church world today, and I'm not talking about for salvation, I'm talking about what we place our faith in today to be able to be good and gentle. What, 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 what's our faith in when we read the fruit of the Spirit? What, when we read this, where does our faith go? Because our faith goes somewhere to be able to see this fruit. Well, I've got to, or, or it's, Thank God Jesus gave His life for me. When you read anything in the Bible, the end result of your Bible study is what do I have to do or thank God for what Jesus did, one of the two. And anybody who has their faith, not in the cross, for the power, the presence, and the provision of God today, right now today, if their faith is not in that sacrifice, the fruit of the Spirit cannot take place in their life. Don't mean they can't go to Walmart and smile and say, God bless you, I love you, and hug you, but it means the Spirit is being quenched. He can't work. Remember, we always come back to Galatians. He doesn't just work anyway. And I don't know if I've said it in our church or not, but I've said it in a couple places I've ministered lately. And maybe I did, but I'll say it again this morning. When Paul told the church in Galatia, O foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you that you no longer obey the truth, before whose eyes Christ was evidently crucified before you, among you? It means they believed the powerful gospel he preached in such a, a faith that it was like they were there when he was crucified. But now they weren't believing that. They moved their faith from that back to law, back to circumcision. And, and God, through Paul, classifies them as not obeying the truth. So if you're classified by the Holy Spirit right now because you've moved your faith from the cross to whatever else it is, even biblical things, you are now not obeying the truth. And if you're not obedient to the truth, you can't obey in any aspect of your life. And even when you open the Bible and it says do this or don't do that and you go and you don't do that or you do do that, you're not walking in obedience because you have the status now because your faith has been moved from the cross to not obeying the truth. Confirmation. If my faith is not in the cross, I cannot, am not being led of the Spirit. Because if my faith's not in the cross, it's in some law. Not, maybe not the Ten Commandments, maybe not either. I could have such a, a ridiculous law as. I could be trusting something. Now this is going to sound foolish, but it's been done. I could say, okay, I'm, I'm just stressed out. I'm just stressed out today. I've just got to, I've, I've got I've to get deliverance from this, whatever this is. And I, I, I just believe if I'll just get out and walk around my house, I believe it'll just go away. So you go out and you're trusting in walking around your house for it to go away. That's a law. That's that's something you're doing. That's something that will never bring the fruit of the spirit. You may feel good after you walk around your house. You might need to walk around your house every day to feel better physically but it ain't going to have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. In all reality, we're opposing and quenching the Spirit of God while we're doing something instead of allowing God by the Spirit to work in our lives through our faith in the cross. See, the church don't know that. 
The church will set a red tomato on a shelf and think, if I'll just sit and stare at that red tomato, how beautiful it is. It'll take my mind off this cigarette or this foul mouth. or it'll take my, And I'm serious. I'm not being ugly. People trust in all sorts of things. A shiny penny that their Uncle Luther gave them or that dream catcher that Aunt Lucy gave them or they trust it. But we have trusted, if we're not careful, we'll open the horoscope and we'll read our, what they call it, a sign. And, we'll, and all through the day we'll think about what we read instead of having got up and read God's Word. We're trusting in something every day. In every Bible study we have, whether it's by myself or it's in a group, when I leave I'm thinking what I must do now or thank God what Jesus did. And when my faith is in thank God what Jesus did for me at Calvary, the Spirit of God is allowed to work unless that's just words coming out of my mouth. Because he don't, he don't acknowledge my words. He acknowledges when I believe with the heart under righteousness. And you can't separate the fruits of righteousness from the fruit of the Spirit. They're one and the same. We've separated way too much in the body of Christ. In our study of the Word, we've separated the faith of the Son of God which we live by. From, we've separated that from the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There ain't but one faith. There's only one faith. And so we've separated too much and God is bringing this knowledge back into the church. Uh, it will be rejected by most, but there will be a remnant that grabs a hold of it and actually begins to experience something other than their efforts to produce the fruit of the Spirit, but will be the, fruit, the Spirit of God Himself producing the fruit of who He is. And, it, and it's mostly seen when things ain't going your way. Because those who know this truth, hold to this truth, walk in this truth, learning to love this truth, even on their worst day, the Spirit of God will still be there expressing that goodness. And not just to them, but through them. They're, they will still be gentle. They'll still be good. There's way too many of us that, have, that have, have never had a good testimony on what we call a bad day. Every test and trial that comes along, we fail. And we have failed many. But it's time to stop failing so many. We need to break through. And listen, it's not by going out and trying to figure out how it's done and working harder. It is simply the fight of your life that God calls a good fight of faith just to make sure your faith is in the cross. Not in your word confession, although sometimes that may help you remind yourself, Curtis, your faith needs to be in what Jesus did at Calvary. Don't you forget that today. My soul will be joyful in the Lord. My soul will rejoice in His salvation. The cross had a I, I, and I speak those things to myself, but my faith is not in my speaking those things to me. My faith is in that which I'm talking about, what Jesus did for me. God sees what our faith is in. And if God sees faith, God moves. You ain't getting out of it. God's going to move if He finds faith. It's called grace. First time you believed in God was by believing in Christ and what He did at Calvary. What did God do immediately in the twinkle of an eye based on your faith in the sacrifice of Christ? He justified you and moved in immediately and you knew you were born again. That's the way every day of our Christianity should be lived. Every single day, the Spirit of God is trying to speak to us. He's trying to lead us. He's trying to bear forth His fruit, which is really the character of Christ. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit first seen by us as our Redeemer lived and died by grace through faith for us. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Most of the church does not realize this, but Jesus lived by grace through faith. He had to live by grace through faith. He God. How did he do that? By faith. By faith. Remember, it's the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave himself for it by which we live. And Galatians 2.20 says that. You know it's a, a powerful scripture, but just because we know it don't mean I won't tell it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's powerful. That's the faith we live by. When God finds for nothing but the faith of the Son of God. 
That's all he's looking for. When God finds the faith of His Son working in the hearts of somebody, it means faith in the cross because it explains it in Galatians 2.20. We live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. When God finds that faith, that faith, not any other faith, when God finds that faith, not faith that I'm going to do good today, faith in what God did for me at Calvary was good and sufficient and that gets me the grace of God. I'm not having faith in myself that I'm going to be good today because if that's what my faith is in, you can mark my words, I'm not going to be good today. And even if I've psyched myself out and faked you out, I've not been good in God's eyes. Goodness is only in Christ. Amen. So verse 23 says, Meekness, temperance against such. And, I could, and listen, we could teach on faith for the next three months because the, the, the Holy Spirit produces, uh, gives us that measure of faith. When you're born again, he gives, Christ lived without a measure. He lived with the full measure, the full portion. He, he, he wasn't limited. He had the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means he didn't have a, a portion of the Spirit. That means he had all the Holy Ghost who is God living in him. But you and I, if you'll look back to Romans chapter 12, you'll see in verse 3, Paul tells the folks there in Rome, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay, I need help with that, because if my faith's not in the cross, I'm thinking more highly of myself than I ought to. But to think soberly, how? According has God the measure of faith. Measure means portion. You've been given a portion, a measure. Of faith. Now there are there is Paul taught uh, the church in Corinth that there is a gift of faith. We all have received as Christians the measure of faith, and Jesus authored and finished it at the cross. You understand that? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. He authored and his faith, the faith he had before the cross. It had to be that way. But the the measure of the faith you've been given, you live by, is in that his obedient act unto death for you. He loved you and gave himself for you. It doesn't say he loved you and lived. But the Bible says the faith, the measure of faith we've been given is that measure of faith that speaks to us and tells us He loves you and He gave Himself for you. So I love Romans 12.3 because it not only tells us that God dealt to us, every man, that means in the church, the born again, the measure of faith. Why? So we wouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. What, what, what is thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to? Now, 99.9% .9 of the church thinks that's the mayor of the town thinking he's walking around better than everybody. Heady and high. No, if your faith, my faith, is not in the sacrifice of Christ, I'm thinking more highly of myself than I ought to because I'm thinking I can do this now. And that's what most of the church teaches. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised from the dead, and now we have His Spirit, and now we can. No, we can't. Not unless it's through. And when we start teaching that God's done all He's going to do and it's now all up to us, that's more highly of yourself than you ought to be thinking. Because God says we're to think according to the measure of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and every word God has ever spoken is in where? In righteousness. It's only, His words are only in righteousness. And righteousness only comes through the revealed righteousness of God only comes in the gospel to us. From faith to faith. We're talking about faith. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, not in anything else. Because the gospel reveals the work of Christ. The only righteous work God has ever seen on the planet earth is the righteous work of Christ humbled, obedient, by grace, through faith, unto death. That's what God sees when He's looking for faith in the earth, the faith of the Son of God. 
that loved us and gave himself for us. And if that's not what our faith is in, because we've been deceived, seduced, duped, uh, beguiled, deceived, whatever the reason is, we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But we don't have to because God gave us the measure of faith. And that is the faith of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Can I add this to the teaching today? Now, this has not been heard. I'd never heard this till Pastor Patrick Hatter came at the camp meeting. That's why it's so important to be in these camp meetings, the next one October 24th through the 27th. But this last year, Pastor Patrick made this comment, and it just, it just stilled the congregation for a few seconds, and then the congregation began to be stirred in their spirit and shout hallelujah. Listen to this. The measure of faith God gave you is perfect. Your faith is perfect. See, it's quiet up in here now. <laughs> if the faith you and I live by is the faith of the Son of God, is His faith perfect? Now when we get off and we mess up and we say, well, my faith is not what it should be. My faith is not strong enough. No, my faith is not in what it should be in. Because Jesus taught it only takes a grain of a mustard seed size faith. Not a big, huge room full of faith. Just the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. Which reveals to us it's not the amount of faith, it's the object of faith. When your faith is in Christ and what He did at Calvary, that's a perfect faith that brings grace every time. Every time. Hmm, Y'all ought to be shouting this morning. Let me shout for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a perfect faith. So we see, this is another area we need to be taught. It's, it's not something wrong with our faith. It's something wrong with the object of our faith. And as I said earlier, we come and go. We come and go. We'll go out here and we'll do a big piece of stupid. And the reason it is is because it may be for five minutes. It may be for five hours. It may be for five days. God forbid it may be for five years that you can be out of the faith. Paul would say, examine yourself. Make sure you are in the faith. Because if you're in the faith, it's a faith that cannot fail. That's why Paul said it's a good fight of faith because faith can't lose. Faith don't get tired and wimp out. Faith don't quit. When folk quit, it's their flesh. Because faith will march you on into tomorrow with being led of the Spirit. Faith don't quit. Faith don't get uh, weak. I might get weak and, and push faith away, but if I cling to this measure of faith, which is clinging to Christ and what He did at Calvary, man, I'm going to keep going. I don't care who falls out. You're going to come back. You're going to see me tomorrow walking. You're going to see whoever you are. If you keep your faith in the cross, and let me just say this, I have to. Faith in the cross, again, it's a perfect faith. It's so perfect. It was the faith of Christ. It's what we live by. It saved you. It'll keep you. Peter wrote, we're kept by the power of God through faith. 1 Peter 1.5 We're talking about faith right now. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit wants to produce in you faith and bear it out that you can be a pillar in the house of God, a, a, a witness unto God, a testimony unto men. That is a faithful woman of God. That is a faithful man of God in God's eyes, not just the community. You, man, you can, you, can, you can go to Walmart every day and walk around with a Bible and the community will think, that's a godly man right there. Why? Because he's got a Bible in his hand. You've heard me say it for years. A monkey can carry a Bible and a parrot can quote it. But there can't nobody please God except a human being who's walking with faith in Christ and His sacrifice. Not just if you Listen, if your faith is not in the cross, it's not in Christ. It's another Jesus. And that's why things ain't working out for you. Meekness is gentleness with humility, while humility is that which trusts only in God's way of the cross. Humility is not good manners. 
Because good manners don't get grace. Humility gets grace. God gives more grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. Humility and pride are two opposite things. Humility is other-centered. Pride is self-centered. And pride could be seen by the community even as being other-centered because only God knows if I'm being other-centered for me. I want everybody to see me feeding the hungry. I want everybody to see me doing that. I want everybody to know that I'm a good person. Listen, Jesus taught against that. You don't be doing what you're doing to be seen by everybody. Amen. So, and we need to talk about that for a minute. Because we're talking about meekness, and that is, that is really humility when you look it up. It's, it's the humble, and only the humble get grace. And, and that means if God only gives grace when he finds true faith, and true faith is faith in the sacrifice, that, that, that explains to us what humility is. I promise you. You take a pad of paper and a pencil, and on your job, or you go and stand in front of Walmart and just take a poll. I'd like to see some of that happening. Uh, uh, what is it that get, I got two questions for you, sir, ma'am, today here in front of Walmart. What is it that gets you grace from God? And what is humility? You would be shocked by the people who tell you they're in church every week. Humility in the eyes of God is not humility unless it's coming to the cross. Because only through faith in the cross do you get grace. Again, humility is not, I'm just, I'm just being humble, Lord. I'm, I'm being humble. Some people believe that and teach that to such a false. That's false, but it's such a false degree. You'll begin whooping yourself. You'll begin denying yourself of a pillow on your bed thinking you're humble. It's happening all over the world. You, you won't put sugar in your tea because you think you're being humble. No. Humility always gets grace. And God don't give grace except through the faith of the sacrifice. So to prove it, let's back up to chapter 2, verse 21. Paul says, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God because if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And here he's talking about the avenue of righteousness, but you've got to put it together when you read it, and you are called to study and put it together. Righteousness comes through grace, but grace only comes through the death of Jesus. And it don't just come through the death of Jesus 2,000 years ago and float around till you walk through it and now you've got it like some weirdness. God's righteousness only comes to us through grace, and grace only comes to us by faith in the cross. Every day. That's why Jesus taught, man, you're going to follow me. You're going to come after me. You're going to deny yourself of everything that would keep you from taking up your cross daily and following me. Because everything you read just about out there, you'll read, is trying, the devil trying to get you to move your faith from the sacrifice. I believe with all of my heart. I don't care who says what. I believe the laughter movement and this movement, I believe it was because the devil all along knew what would happen if there was ever a group of people who grabbed a hold of what crushed his head so the devil began moving in the church and causing these big moves and all the last 30, 40 and even more years these so-called moves of God that I say are not moves of God have deceived the church to such a place now when they hear the truth they, they just kind of like, what's that? It's because we're so ingrained with what's false. We've listened to preachers for too long uh, agree that these were moves of God when the message of the cross was not there and God doesn't work outside the truth. I can't help what they didn't know. God, go back to Galatians, God don't just move anyway. We walk in that place, the Word of God tells us Christ becomes of no effect no profit. And anybody that says, well, God loves me anyway, and, and yes, He does, but He only works in the truth. And the fruit of His Spirit only comes out of my faith in the truth. Anything else is just me trying to get people to think I'm good, I'm gentle. And you can have a reputation of being good and gentle, but in the eyes of God, when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to see everything burn up because there it's going to be revealed what was done for Him or for you. And only those who have their faith in the cross... God can work through. And every reward we're offered by the Lord is only going to be 
not what we just went around doing. Amen, Brother Curtis. I know this message shakes the last hundred years in the church, but I've got a Bible I'm teaching from. I've got the Word I'm teaching from. Nobody ever comes and says, I, I, I just, you know, they don't ever, they get mad and they get upset, but they never bring a word from the Bible and tell me where I'm wrong. You know why they don't? They can't. They can't. And when I bring scriptures such as the Bible's all about Jesus, well, and you know, what, you know where that well comes from? All the false teachings that they're ingrained in. I've been there. I don't speak from just what I hear. I've been there. I remember that good brother trying to get me to see what we preach now out on that dock here in Atlanta where we worked and every morning. And I love to talk about the Word, but I wasn't seeing it in the light of Christ and Him crucified. And he'd give me a, we'd talk about scripture and he'd say, you see how that relates, don't you? And I'd say, well, no, I don't know about that, brother. That's where I was. And that's why I was going through what I was going through. Lost my house, land, vehicles. God will let you lose all that if, to get you back. God wants you back today. God wants you back to faith and grace. God wants you back to truth. God wants you back walking in a place where He can be manifest in and through you. Not just you and your name and the legacy of your last name, but the legacy of Christ and Him crucified. See, a lot of people are living, teaching. I've never told my sons, you don't do that, I'm a pastor. You don't do that. I tell them you don't do that because that ain't right before God. I'm not trying to leave Hutchinson as a name. I know when, man, listen, I understand 50 years after I'm dead, I won't be remembered by anybody except those who get on YouTube might run across me every once in a while. When you're gone, that's it for you. You've had your time. Look at you anymore. Give it a good 50 years, then pick, they ain't going to pull it out and look at you. When they do, they're going to say, who's that old man? Oh, that's your great-granddaddy. Oh, well, okay, whatever. Where's the popcorn and the pops? I, I, they ain't going to be thinking about you. What you need to be leaving is the legacy of Christ, the fruit of His Spirit, where you and God know it's God working in you, not just you thinking, yeah, this is God. No, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit is working in you and producing in you more than you just being deceived to think it. If your faith is in the cross, and I, and I know I'm about out of time, but I'm going to share this. A man asked me a question after church uh, in Broken Bow Wednesday night about prophets and all this stuff going on, and I said, well, let me give you an example, brother. If I just stand up in church and I just begin to shake and quiver all over and, 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 and I'm not going to say that God wasn't dealing with that individual you can't prove that was a move of God you have absolutely no proof in that was a move of God except you saying it and every Christian today who thinks they're living for God but their faith is not in the cross, they're not living for God they're living under law so it don't matter what you think or what you say. You have no. The only proof there is that God's manifest in your life is the expression of Christ and your testimony of the blood. The expression of Christ and your testimony of the blood. Lost people can go today to Walmart and pay for somebody's groceries and do a good deed. Anybody can do a good deed before people, but it's those who are or allowing God Himself to produce the goodness, the gentleness, the meekness, the temperance. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, y'all held me up again. You didn't let me get through with chapter 5. So we'll be trying to finish it next week, next, week, next Friday. Uh, until next time, we love you. Just stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.